For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. They've been described as some of the lowest paid and most disrespected workers. Many of them work 12-hour days, sometimes without a day off. They are New York State farm workers who are denied the same basic protections and labor rights as other workers enjoy, a class of workers left behind. Here to talk about farm worker rights is the president of the New York State AFL-CIO, Mario Salento. And Mario, welcome again to the podcast. Thank you, Darcy. I appreciate it. Um, Can we start by talking about how the state federation got involved in this fight for farm worker rights? Well, I mean, I think it's it's a basic fight for human dignity. And that is something that we're supposed to be at the forefront uh, as a labor movement. And and really, uh, 20 years ago, uh, Dennis Hughes was the president of the state AFL-CIO, and we had learned more about the plight of farm workers through the years. And um, we took it upon ourselves to try to get together and have... Uh, elected leaders really pay more attention to this issue because it really wasn't getting a lot of attention. And as a result of that, there was a an event we held, uh, I believe it was in Orange County, and it was a town hall meeting. And we had farm workers at great risk to themselves mm-hmm. publicly testifying about the conditions in the workplace and in the fields. And uh, I really just want to start today with something very simple, and that's this. It is an out and out and utter travesty that in the year 2019, you and I have to have a discussion on this podcast about uh, a workforce, a part of our workforce that is not treated as every other workforce or or sector or worker. And they are working uh, in a lot of times uh, in inhumane instances, and it is embarrassing that in the year 2019, the state of New York is still having a discussion about whether or not farm workers should be treated in the same manner as every other single classification of worker in the state of New York. And when you say they testified at risk to themselves, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, uh, it was risky for them because if the farm owner had found out they could have faced repercussions. They could have been punished in some way. They could have been let go. Again, they don't have any real protections. Mm-hmm. You know, they, as, as I'm sure we're going to talk about, they don't have the right to a day of rest or overtime pay or certainly the right to join a union. So if you can't band together and discuss what it is that you're concerned about on the job site, you have very little to no power when it comes to the relationship with the employer. They hold all the power. And then going through those fields 20 years ago on that farm and seeing how many of the farm workers lived, it just, it really physically made me ill as I think everyone else on that little, the small trip that we took other, Mm -hmm. other labor leaders, uh, two decades ago. So it is something that I think all of us at the state AFL say are very passionate about. It's not just myself. It's, I think, everyone who works here. I think all of the affiliates of the state AFL-CIO who've become more familiar with it over the last two decades, recognizing that we have, we have workers who in this state who do not have the right to take one day off if they so chose to spend with their family, to do their laundry, to go shopping for groceries, to support mm-hmm. their children. And, and so, yeah, I, this is, it is something that's important to the state AFL-CIO, but I think we have to be looking at this from a different perspective. It's not just the labor issue. This is a, 
an issue of pure and simple humanity. How can we allow this to happen? And particularly in the state of New York, and I've said this many times, if we truly want to consider ourselves an enlightened society, then we should be judged by how we treat those who need our help the most. And farm workers in this state need our help more than any other classification of worker. And not just as workers. They need our help and support as human beings to be able to have the same life as every other worker and every other human being and citizen and taxpayer in this state has that we take for granted every single day. If you can imagine anyone who has children not being able to tell them for sure if you're going to be home on this particular day or this particular time so that maybe you can spend an hour with them to do homework or to just be there to nurture them or to just be there to, to take them to, the, to school or something. I mean, how can we allow this to happen? This is why it continues to be and always will be a priority of the state AFL-CIO, even though and I think it's, it's important to be clear. Obviously, they're not union members. We're doing this because it's the right thing to do as New Yorkers, as citizens, as taxpayers, and again, just as basic human beings. So the Farm Workers Fair Labor Practices Act, um, in general, what will it do for these workers? It would call for, uh, for farm workers to have a day of rest, for overtime pay, the right to collectively bargain. Again, keep in mind now, uh, this work is seasonal. So we understand that farm workers and farm workers themselves understand that they're going to work long hours. Many of them have to work for, from sunup to sundown, 12, 14 hours a day, depending on what time of the year they're working and what they're picking on the field. They can work 70 or 80 hours a week, 90 hours a week, and not get overtime pay. Think about that. Not get overtime pay. Everything that we take for granted. And there's no recourse, right? Because they don't have a union. They don't have their own voice. So this would give them uh, overtime pay, the day of rest, if they so chose, and the right to collectively bargain, which means they would have the same rights as everyone else. Wages, benefits, conditions of employment, workers' comp, unemployment insurance, and so on and so forth. Um, so it's, it's just a matter of fairness and equality. Now, there have been some accomplishments over the years. Can you talk about those? Right. right. You know, it was. it's interesting. Over 20 years ago, there still wasn't any law on the books for field sanitation, meaning that if a worker had to have a relieve break, themselves right. or take a break, right. there was no mechanism in place that allowed them to do it or, mm -hmm. or that the, the employer had to even allow them to do that. Think about that for a second. Forget about the, hy the hygienic nature of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that you could, as a human being, be told, well, stop, stay out in the field for 10, 12, 14 hours and, you know, do whatever it is that you need to do. Right. Uh, but if you're not back in five minutes, you could be gone. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I mean, think about that. We had to fight for uh, drinking water, right? And we had a fight and we were able to secure a minimum wage for farm workers because going back, I guess it was 10, 15 years ago, they didn't have the same minimum wage as every other worker. So they were able to fight for that. You're saying that these men and women who work so very hard, don't have the same rights as every other worker? It's, it's, it's unacceptable. Well, we'll be sure and let our members and all of our supporters know how they can help. I know there's some plans uh, for some hearings coming up, and we'll make sure we include that in our show notes so that people can get involved in this fight. So, Mario, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Darcy.
Joining me on the program now is Jose Chapa. He's with the Justice for Farm Workers. You're the legislative campaign coordinator, right? Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And thank you for agreeing to be on the program. So I'd like to start, uh, Jose, if you can kind of paint a picture for us of the farm workers. You know, who are these people? Where are they from? What's their daily life like on these farms? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I actually grew up as a migrant farm worker myself. I'm originally from South Texas in the Rio Grande Valley, close to the border with Mexico. And every summer, my family and I would travel to the farms of Iowa, Minnesota, where my family would work every summer. Um, the fields were usually the cornfields. Uh, I myself got to work as a teenager in the panhandle of Texas, and we d- we worked in the fields of the cotton fields and also the cornfields. And I remember the first time I ever stepped foot in one of these tall cornfields myself when I was 14 or 15. I recall the heat, and I recall mm. passing out from that heat. So I... Um, because you're surrounded by all these stalks. And... Exactly. And in North Texas during the summertime, uh, 105 degree weather, heat index even higher than that. Um, so that that's what drew me to the current work that I do here in the state of New York with the farm workers in this state. And what kind of farms are we talking about here in New York State? Oh, the diversity within the industry is very large. So you have folks that work in greenhouses in Long Island. You have folks that work in the dairy farms of upstate New York. You have folks that work in the duck farms of Sullivan County, orchards, uh, onions. So New York is one of the you know most well-known agricultural states in the country, but people in New York don't actually know that so much, especially if you come from New York City. And the workers, are they predominantly young men? Is it a mix? Like, who are they? It, again, the diversity would astound folks. Um, typically, you see a lot of young men, um, late teenagers or early 20s. But you also see women, and you also see a lot of folks that are 50, 60 years old. So the industry, depending on where you are across the state, is very diverse in itself. Um, and it, I think, depends also on the typical, uh, on the industry itself, or what, what that um, crop they're producing, or if they're working with livestock, there's a difference in who works at those farms as well. And then also, whether it's seasonal or year-round, I would imagine. Yes, exactly. So you have folks that are working at dairy farms that work all year long in the winter and the summer, um, the same with greenhouses, but then you also have uh, folks that just work with specific crops like the orchards. That's not all year long, but it is for a large part of the year. Now, I've heard and read through some of the testimony of these farm workers, which it's tough for them, isn't it, to even come forward and to talk about working conditions? Definitely, specifically because a lot of them might come from a background where they don't understand the language so well, English language, um, or just because they are afraid of losing their jobs. And all of that makes them even more vulnerable, really. Exactly. And really, that's what we're talking about, right? These working conditions and the fact that they just don't have these basic worker rights. Yes. So this is because back in the 1930s, of course, when FDR passed the New Deal, among other uh, labor laws in the country, farm workers were excluded because at that time, most of the farm workers were African-American. But we'll attempt to give to the industrial workers of the country a more fair wage return to prevent cutthroat competition 
to prevent unduly long hours for labor, but at the same time to encourage each industry to prevent overproduction. Um. The ch- laws haven't changed. Farm workers continue to be excluded in most of the country. They're not allowed to collectively bargain. They're not allowed to have a day of rest. They're not allowed to have overtime pay. So you still see that in the state of New York. And so when you talk about not having those basic rights, what can um, what can a day be like? I mean, how, can it be, I would imagine, a long day and... Is it six and seven days a week sometimes? Depending on the farm and the industry, some of the workers that we've talked to work all week long, seven days out of the week, and some of them tell us that they work 70, 80 hours a week. We work in the sun, it's hot. They don't pay us overtime like the other workers. If you have wine, if you have food on the table, you need to recognize the work that we do. So what about housing conditions? Um, is it is it very common to actually be living on the farms? It's very common to see farm workers living in the farms, uh, housing provided by the farmer. Um, so that's another aspect of this bill that we're advocating for in the state legislature would also tackle safety conditions within those living conditions. Because a lot of the folks that work at the farms um, live in uh, apartments or trailers provided by the farm owner, sometimes in the same um area where the farm is located. So for a lot of them, it's easy for them to just get up and go straight to work, um, which makes sense because a lot of them also don't have driver's licenses. And what about health care, retirement, things like none of that would, is going on? There's no law that gives every farm worker that. It, that really depends on a farm by farm basis. So it's some farms with farmers that do have better living conditions or working conditions might have better working conditions for their their uh, workers, but that's not a, a law for the whole state. So you also see farmers that do not provide that to their to their employees. And that's what this is about, this fight, is having that dignity and respect so that it's across the board, so that uh, regardless of how much profits might be at one farm, everybody is treated equally with these basic rights. Exactly. So essentially it is this fight to have equal rights and protections across the board legally established in the state of New York. Now, when you're out talking to legislators, I would imagine that one of the things that you have to counter is the argument from uh, the farms, the owners, that especially the small farms, that they're going to be put out of business or that they can't afford to do this, to have this you know, mandated to meet these demands for these basic rights. What do you say to that? Well, um, there are several aspects that, you know, we hear. And, and of course, we don't demonize farmers. Every farmer is different in their own right and in their own industry. Um, But this is a moral issue. This is an issue about respect and dignity for the worker. Every other worker that works in every other industry in this country and in this state has the right to a day of rest, has the right to collectively bargain, has the right to... um, have overtime pay and why should farmers be any different because of this law that was set in place back in the 1930s out of a racist kind of background so um can you talk to me a little bit about the accomplishments that you've been able to make over the years i mean you know i'm i'm talking even 10 and 20 years back you have made accomplishments yeah even up to uh i think the early 2000s 
you couldn't even have potable water at some of these farms. That was a right that was given just recently in this decade to farmers, farm workers, um, a right to have a porta potty accessible, um, access access to restrooms. That was something that was not even given to farm workers legally um, until earlier this decade, which is not that long ago. How are you feeling about uh, this session? Are you feeling optimistic? This year, we feel more optimistic than we've had uh, felt in the past. We have 32 co-sponsors in the state Senate that have signed on to support the Farm Worker Fair Labor Practices Act, and we're gaining steam in the Assembly as well. So we're hoping that this is finally the year that this could be taken down to the Senate floor for a vote. So do your organization and you personally, do you just feel like, you know, really we're, we're at 2019, um, time is up, that these folks really deserve these these basic rights? Is that where we are? I've, I mean, and it is 2019. The future is now. And I think another thing that folks might not understand about the diversity within the agricultural industry is the fact that farm workers in this state are not migrant farm workers as they maybe used to be at some point. Some of these folks have lived, moved to New York, settled in New York, and now live in New York. They're residents of New York State. So these are New Yorkers. So um, we're going to put in our show notes a link to your page, the uh, Justice for Farm Workers, so people can learn more. But if anyone listening, if they want to be able to help out to try to move this forward, is there anything that they can do? Well, become just more knowledgeable within our campaign. Our Go to our website, follow our social media. Um, our website's farmworkersny.org. Um, you can find us on Facebook just by searching Justice for Farm Workers, and that will take you to the Justice for Farm Worker campaign in New York. Um, we're currently planning... Um, May 6th to be our, our farm worker Albany Day, where we will have a rally here in Albany. Okay, and we can stay on top of that, too, and we'll make sure folks know as well. Okay, great. All right, Jose Chapa, thank you so much for the time uh, you took today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Joining me now is our digital director, Kevin Eintzman. Kevin, I know we have the rally coming up on May 6th, which we're going to be a part of, but also the public hearings on the Farm Workers Fair Labor Practices Act. That's Those have been scheduled, right? Yep. They're going to be in central New York, the Hudson Valley and Long Island, April 25th, April 26th, and May 2nd. Stay tuned for more information on those. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter to get all that information. And we'll also post it on our website if you're looking for more information. And on, if you want to partake in uh, in the hearings themselves, that would be great. Yeah. Or at least support them. And um, anytime you want more information on what the New York State AFL-CIO is working on, our, our, our website is Union, available. UnionStrongNY.com. You can go there right now, fill out the form, and get a hat. Right. We're encouraging people to uh, fill out a form and to subscribe to our podcast. So we're kind of giving you a little incentive to do that and wear your uh, Union Strong hat with pride. Yep. So that's it for today's podcast. For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells. Stay union and stay strong. <laughs>